Open our lips, O Lord, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. Bread. You heard about it last week, you hear about it this week, and for the next four weeks in the gospel, you're going to hear about bread, six weeks of bread. So prepare yourselves. My daughter who doesn't eat gluten, I, I got to resist all the jokes. That was an ad lib that I need to run away from. Anyway, but as we listen to bread, there's also something else that gets entered in here because in these gospel messages, Jesus is also talking about eating my flesh. My flesh is the bread. And there can, times can be, I would say, just a confusion, if you will, in the church about, on the one hand, Jesus says his flesh is the bread and he is the body of God and the incarnation the incarnate of God, and now we are the body of Christ, we are the incarnation, we already are the flesh of God, it's not something we're striving, we already are, but yet receive this bread that is my body, and, and you know, well, which is it? Are we already, or, or do we keep, and there's been some great scholarship in recent years, particularly around some of the Gospels that weren't in the Bible, like the Gospel of Thomas, that have really worked hard to help us Get that both and, that paradoxical sense of how can both be true? Like the Trinity, how can it be three and one? How can we already be fully the flesh of God and yet we have to receive the bread? How do flesh and bread interact in the cosmos of God? How are they creating the sacred reality? And there's been some Aramaic language that has has finally, scholars are, are figuring they finally might have found some way to translate properly to help us hear that paradox. And the Aramaic for this sense of of bread and flesh translates in our language to meatloaf. (laughs) Okay, all right, I know, it's bad. But I've been on vacation, you know. (laughs) Sacred meatloaf, buy meatloaf today. Support the kingdom of God. I know. All right, let me, let, me, okay, let me pull this in a bit. But seriously, folks, as they say, what a difference a week makes. Because last week in the gospel, Jesus is providing so much bread. There are leftovers. 5,000 people have eaten. There is so much bread. And there are still leftovers. Somehow, miraculously, in the community, this comes forth. And the people are so moved that they say, we have to make you king today. Not tomorrow, but today. They want by force to make him king because he has provided in a way that truly suggests sacredness, divine connection, the meeting of of hunger. And Jesus, as he is so often, is wise enough to say, I'm going to slip out of here. And so he and the disciples go across, as you remember in the story, in the boat, and they, or he's walking on the water, and they go to the other side. And the people wake up the next morning after having had this incredible theophany, this incredible encounter, and they wake up, and the first question they have that morning is, what? What's for breakfast? And by the way, where's Jesus? Who's going to make breakfast? This man who's met their needs so strong. And so, of course, what they do is they hear, oh, he's gone across in the boat, so they get in their boats, and they go across the water. And they ask him this question that is so wonderfully John Gospel, double language. Jesus, how did you get here? 
And of course, on the surface, it sounds like a geographic question. But what's really happening is the evangelist is saying, they're stuck on the bread they ate yesterday. And now Jesus is taking them to some new place, beyond the bread, deeper than the bread. And they don't even realize what they're saying. How did you get here? And he's saying, you want to know how I got here? This book of John with so many sayings and, 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 and signs and people seeing children brought back from the dead, adults brought back from the dead, miraculous feedings, weddings where wine just flows for weeks after. And they're following this man because of these signs. And they keep missing what they are about. And the gospel writer again and again is giving us these scenes where they're getting trapped by the signs. And Jesus is saying, this isn't about the bread. This isn't about the exorcism. It's about a way of being with God. You see, there's always this temptation in us, no matter how long we live as a species, and I'm guessing a hundred years from now, some preacher's going to be up here and the congregation's going to be talking about how much we struggle with seeing God as some kind of cosmic vending machine. It's a transactional relationship. Jesus, I'm going to show up to church, and therefore my life's going to be good. I mean, we don't really say it out loud, do we? But a friend of ours gets diagnosed with something, and they're not going to make it. Something happens to our children, our baptismal children. And we say, Jesus, I'm hungry. Let me just press button A, and the bread will come. Jesus, my friend is in great pain, and the doctor's news is not happy. Jesus, let me press the button because I've been going to church. I've been doing the works of God. I mean, we wouldn't say that outwardly, but, man, well, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> Jesus, I'm afraid. Press the button. Jesus, the world is broken. Press the button. Fix it. And if it doesn't somehow, if the pain isn't somehow relieved, we think that, A, either God is not faithful, or B, the faith community is not behaving like it should, or C, if you're like me, I'm a great shame collector. I obviously did it wrong. Jesus, I will do this, and you will do that. You provide the bread, we'll keep showing up. A transactional way of being. There was a book written in the 1960s, I believe, by a layperson, a pew sitter, if you will, and it was entitled, you may have read it, called The Uncomfortable Pew. And it was kind of taking on the notion that when we come to church, we should always be comfortable. And if we're not, obviously it's the preacher or the bishop or the national church or somebody who's screwed up. That in the pews, we should always be comfortable. And to that, I would just throw out the story of David this morning when the church came to David and had to come to Jesus even before Jesus was born. Your behavior, David, and any time we spend any times with the Gospels, we realize that Jesus is not always going to make us comfortable. If Jesus showed up and spent eight hours with us today, there'd be a lot of laughter, there'd probably be some dancing, maybe some wine sipping, some great storytelling, some quiet, and then some moments of real discomfort because we'd recognize something in what we have assumed about our way of being that suddenly just doesn't seem to jive with the being we're with. 
And so we have to wrestle. Because what happens is, somehow, if we don't misunderstand, if we don't see the signs in the way that Jesus offers them, Jesus becomes some kind of cosmic ibuprofen. If I'm with you, you are going to analgesize the pain. And if I have pain, someone, maybe me, maybe you, is wrong. And they don't get the signs, and they don't get the understanding. It's a transaction. Well, the gospel lesson is naming that. They want control. They want transactional, because when we're in a transactional relationship, we have control. I'll do this, you do that. You don't do that, the contract is broken. I go home. And Jesus is saying, there's something much deeper When I talk about wombs and being born again, don't get stuck on the body. When I talk about temples, I'm not talking about a building. And when I'm talking about bread, it's not, what did you have for lunch today? It's about something deeper, beyond transactional. And so they're still kind of trapped in that transactional. Well, what must we do to do the works of God? How do we know we're in God's will? What do we do? And Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Well, isn't that nice? (laughs) What do we do, Jesus? (laughs) You believe in the one who he sent. Okay, Jesus, you've read the newspaper today, right? What, What do we do? How do we know? Well, you believe, you walk with, you engage, you let go of any kind of sense of transactional understanding of the world, of God, of faith, of the church, of your faith community. Believe in the one. Be with the one. Be in relationship with the sacred. So since we've already been talking about meatloaf sandwiches, it's probably still early enough. You're not hungry completely, so I won't lose you. We're here this weekend, as we've been talking about. Food Booth has been going on in this festival for 40-some years. Numerous organizations who have been benefited, life in this community benefiting from the proceeds of this. It is meet and right and so to do. It's an important work and it's about something so much deeper. It's like the koinonia process we've been in. We realize that what we are about as a community and what we're being called to is not just simply pain relief. What we are being called to as a faith community here at All Souls and in the wider church is not just seeing that kids have proper textbooks and they eat decently during the day. We are not just here to help people to find economic freedom. All of that's huge and all of that's vital. All of that's significant. And there's something so much more deep that we are being called to because we are being called to a new way of being, not just providing goods transactionally with folks. Because if all we're about is making sure they're good textbooks, well, 10 years from now, those textbooks will be worn out. What do we do then? People and kids around the world have been hungry since kids have been born. Finding a way to have one more food offering is not going to solve this finally. We are being called to a way of being, not just simply distribution and transaction. You want to do the works of God? Then be in relationship with God.
signs and callings all around us. This weekend is a reminder this food booth that the world is not in place. Things are out of sorts. Relationship is broken. And we are being called to a deeper thing. We are being called indeed to live out being bred with one another. We are being called to be in relationship with one another. We are being called to believe in one another. If you believe in the one whom God sent and that person sitting next to you in the pew or that person sitting next to you on the bus has also been sent by God, if you've been following the news and even on vacation, I couldn't really avoid it, of Kairos and 12 baskets, if you're visiting and don't know at all what I'm talking about, in West Asheville, there is a work begun by folks from this community to be a community center as West Asheville as falling apart as the last affordable place perhaps to live, as the gentrification word that we know only too well just continues to swoon, and I'm not even going to go into the heart and soul of Asheville right now and what really drives us. And that community center was started five years ago to gather people and to say, we're not going to come here to bring you pencils or books. We're going to come here to gather you because you have stuff this community needs. And we're going to have a meal here each day with the food that would have been thrown out by restaurants and the hospital and all that, not just to become a food line. We're going to sit at tables, and they're going to be porcelain plates, and, and the forks will actually be metal, not plastic. And you don't go through the line. People will come and you see the menu and you tell them what you want on the menu. And you have no idea who you're going to be sitting with today or tomorrow when you come here. It's not set up just to be a place to take care of those who need. Well, hell, excuse me, kids. That's all of us. Forgive me. Well, that's in the Bible, isn't it? I guess you can say that word. I do mean it. I'm sorry. And what the community who is resisting 12 baskets in Kairos doesn't understand is that it is not a transactional storefront. It is not about we deliver you goods, then you behave in the way that we want. And in Asheville right now, anything that upsets profits, anything that upsets economic development, I'm not against business. My son-in-law and my daughter own a private business. They happen to sell beer. It's available today at Fubu. Did I mention that? <laughs> I'm not against that. And what the community that's resisting 12 baskets is under, misunderstanding is that they think this is transactional. And it's not. It's about being with and believing in the person who's having lunch next to you, whether you know them or not. And for those of you who have gone to the tables there, you know that the people who sit at those tables are people who live on the streets, people who patrol the streets, people who pay taxes so the streets are there. All sorts and conditions of people gather at that table to have conversations or to be quiet if that's what the need is. In a place that says, you're safe, you're cared for, and you have dignity. And we are a community. And if we ever are to find the life of this community, it's going to be at these tables where we recognize that each of us is bringing bread in our souls and we have to be fed with and by one another.
We are engendering community and we are naming all of our inherent dignity. That's not transaction. That's connection. What is the work of God? The work of God is believing in what God is sending to us. In Jesus and the person sitting next to us, I have to tell you that one of the reasons I like to go to Kairos and sit at the table is because 90% of my life does not include tables like that. 90% of my table includes tables like this. And you guys are great people. (laughs) And we have a lot of fun and we share a lot of food. But we're not as diverse as we think. It's easy for me to stay here instead of going out there and wondering, is the person going to talk to me or not? Are we going to find things to talk about or not? Can I believe in them and they in me enough to open a conversation? Will we find the bread? The work of God is calling us to travel together, to call us beyond any kind of transactional understanding of relationship to be in relationship with one another. Jesus never created a food co-op. He never created a clothes closet. He never created a medical or therapeutic, emotional, psychological therapeutic clinic. Not that any of that is wrong. All of that is good and vital. But Jesus is calling us to something deeper even than that, that manifests through those He's creating communities. He's gathering people around food. And he's naming and practicing the dignity of every human being. That's what's deeper than all of that above. That is the work of God. Find the tables. Gather at the tables. Uphold all of our inherent inherent dignity. And sisters and brothers, if we live that out... Jesus is right. We will never be hungry.